Welcome to My Autism Tribe, a community of advocates that are linked by autism but bound by strength. This is a time to find our sounding board and shoulders that help us carry life's load without the fear of criticism. We give and receive. We nurture and empower. I'm your host, Susan Scott. Many children and adults on the autism spectrum need help in learning how to act in different types of social situations. They often have the desire to interact with others, but may not know how to engage friends or may even be overwhelmed by the idea of new experiences. Today's guest is Dr. Greg Fern. He's the Chief Operating Officer for RoboKind. The focus at RoboKind has been to help children with autism learn critical social and behavioral skills and achieve academic success by way of purpose-built humanoid robots that actually deliver developmental instruction modules that teach critical functional skills. This comprehensive intervention program is what they call Robots for Autism. Greg's deep experience and passion for helping underserved children has been absolutely instrumental in helping RoboKind develop the products and strategies that will successfully serve the K-12 education market. Hi, Greg. I am so super excited to have you on today's show. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you. It's a tremendous opportunity not only to meet you, to learn more about the work that you're doing, uh, and um, to visit. I'm very excited. Thank you. Awesome. I've told the guests a little bit about uh, you and just kind of how you're the chief operating officer of RoboKind, and I want to let everyone know just how much passion that you actually have for what you guys are doing right now. Can you share with us a little bit about that? Well, thank you, and thank you for the kind words. My mother appreciates those <laughs> uh, more than you know, so thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, very simply, uh, you know, my passion, enthusiasm, and really convictions are about early and aggressive and effective intervention, and I was very fortunate over my career to really serve in areas where there was really a lot of underrepresentation, um, lack of advocacy, especially for individuals with special needs, but moreover, uh, children with autism. So I was introduced uh, to RoboKind and Robots for Autism uh, while I was still an educator and had an opportunity to really look at it and see whether or not this is something that I would want to bring into my school system uh, and how this could be just a powerful tool. So one thing led to another, but probably the most important thing I would say is that uh, Working with Robots for Autism, what I get to do every day is be a part of changing lives. And if if we can come alongside uh, parents and learner guardians, uh, educators, and really what's fun for me is when I see breakthrough, life-changing experiences with students. And it just, um, you know, as a parent, uh, and I have four children, but as a parent, you see these stages of development and growth, and, and each stage is something to, to delight and celebrate. But when you see these breakthrough moments, uh, it is just um, it just pulls on your heartstrings, and it keeps us motivated as a as a company. And 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 uh, with employee, we have a number of our employees that are on the spectrum, or either, and we have a number of employees that are parents of children on the spectrum. So this is something that's really really important to us because we know that we can make a difference and we've certainly demonstrated that but that's what motivates me i get to change lives i mean i get to get up every morning going you know what whose lives are we going to change today and this is going to be great that's incredible that's absolutely incredible and i think it's crucial too um that when we're working with the community that we're working with 
it's nice to not only have the passion for what you're doing, but also have the sometimes the personal experience to back that up. And when you pair the two of those together, it's absolutely, like you said, life changing. And not only for the person that's actually doing that and engaging in the community, but the people that are in the community that are benefiting from it. Yeah, it's really, it's extremely important um, because everybody has their own story to tell. Mm-hmm. So it's very important for us to not only listen and hear, but also to um, to have that level of empathy and understanding. And I just applaud. I mean, I am so humbled uh, every day and every week when we interact with with folks that tell us their story. But we're we get very excited when we hear folks uh, because they're not alone. And I think, you know, and you know this better than I do, but this community uh, and how we can embrace uh, neurodiversity as a huge strength, not as a liability, is something that we individually and as a company really, really embrace as well, is that we we love the unique um, humanness that that each individual brings, and because there's some diversity, especially with um, cognition and just the whole neurodevelopment, it actually creates for us a better community than, if you will, if everybody is you know neurotypical, etc. So we we love it. Uh, we're excited about it, but more importantly, is because we know that we're part of, and we're not the solution, but we're part of the solution. Um, that really complements a lot of great work done by therapists, a lot of good work done by parents, obviously, uh, and their families to, to say, you know what, we can really change the trajectory. Um, we can really equip individuals with autism with some really essential and foundational skills that will lead them to what every parent, irrespective of neurodiverse or neurotypical, wants for their child, a level of independence, a level of you know gainful employment if possible, but but literally a quality of life that um, not only we can delight in, but they themselves can experience. So, I mean, we're very passionate about what we do. So I, I appreciate you saying that. So Yeah, and you employ, you know, you have people on the spectrum that, that work with, with Robokind, which I think is absolutely awesome. I want to high-five you over the phone. Um, oh, that's you. just so much, it's so needed. And um, because people on the spectrum have amazing gifts to share. And so thank you for for that from all of us to you. Actually, I reached out to you guys because I saw this robot. His name is Milo. And he is the cutest thing I've ever seen. I want you guys to share a little bit about Milo the robot. And I guess he is kind of the the mascot for robots for autism can you kind of share a little bit about milo i mean he's awesome absolutely so milo was birthed in 2011 and for those that have not seen milo is the most advanced facially expressive social humanoid robot designed specifically to work with children and individuals with autism. Um, so Milo's kind of our eye candy. He's kind of the, he's kind of the face because um, he does some amazing things and he was really designed to do it, to do so. We were challenged, Richard Margolin, who designed Milo, was challenged by a professor at the University of Texas, Dallas, the Collier Center for Communicative Disorders. Uh, and Dr. Rollins said, I hypothesize that if we could create a facially expressive humanoid robot, that we would increase the engagement of individuals on the spectrum to deliver more enduring, more robust, more um, 
individualized instruction for for individuals on the spectrum. So Richard said, game on, created the robot, three years of really heavy lifting with clinical trials, lo and behold, Milo, working with an an adult, uh, engages a student at approximately 87 to 92% of the time, whereas you remove the robot and engagement drops to 3 to 5%. And that engagement, part of Dr. Rollins' original research really looked at um, across the spectrum in terms of nonverbal, minimally verbal to high functioning and highly verbal uh, individuals. And so we knew from a clinical standpoint that that Milo was this huge engagement factor because Milo is designed to speak slower than you or I uh, in terms of of, uh, neurotypical. And so what we'll see is uh, Milo speaks slower. Milo has on his chest screen, he displays visual supports that help with auditory processing challenges that is a characteristic of individuals with autism. Mm -hmm. And the third component, which is extremely powerful, um, is the video modeling, is that we actually, through the program, Milo will instruct and Milo will facilitate, Milo will reinforce, Milo will uh, prompt, and then what a learner is looking at on that video Tab on the tablet are these video vignettes that actually show and demonstrate the targeted behavior. Because one of the hallmarks that Milo is able to do, in addition to engagement, is help create coherence by explaining. And so we've really we've done a, a pretty good job of, of uh, building this towards the strengths of many of uh, individuals with autism. That is that we do some sequencing. Mm-hmm. So we'll do things in thirds. And so Milo will prompt and reinforce that you'll see those displays on his chest and then you'll actually see it mod- that targeted behavior being modeled and the beautiful thing the one thing i really appreciate as an educator is that the reinforcement is always positive it's always going to if a student is incorrect on a response milo will redirect in a very positive way provide more information that allows the individual to engage so we've seen what's been so humbling yeah. is that we'll see individuals that um have a real difficult time with eye gaze and we know understanding autism is that we know it's not it's not anything more than there's a lot of information a lot of uh, uh, stimulation that it's really hard for that brain to really make sense of sure. so it's just easy, easier not to make eye contact well, so we don't really hang, get hung up on high gaze, but what we do in terms of that social cue uh, that that we, have, again, neurotypical, will pick up naturally or have modeled for them and they get it right away, is that we'll teach greetings like something like this, look, smile, say hi. So that look is that, as we know, is a nonverbal indication that I want to engage or I want to greet. So mm-hmm. Milo, will, Milo will demonstrate that, teach that in a very positive way, reinforce that in a positive way. And so we'll start seeing individuals um, generalizing that behavior once they've been working with Milo. The beautiful thing about the robot yeah. is that we, we know repetition is absolutely imperative for many individuals to learn that task. Sure. So Milo never gets tired. He, he never gets frustrated. He never gets angry. He never, he never gets, um, if you will, sends mixed messages because Milo is always the same. So where you and I, in a conversation, we can't repeat ourselves perfectly the same way every time mm. over and over again yeah. but milo can so what we found in one of the really really fun um, research projects that we did in the state of south carolina is that we found uh, 305 students in school 90 uh, percent of which 
mastered and then demonstrated with observable evidence of generalizing targeted behaviors. But what we found is that of those 90%, 77% did so by repeating lessons multiple times. Mm-hmm. So, so they're able to repeat it, able to practice it, able to reinforce that. And then all of a sudden, we start to see the magic happen is that the brain starts to build those dendrites and they get reinforced and pretty soon it becomes generalized, which is really the goal. Our goal is not to have individuals tethered to Milo. It's really generalizing the human-human interaction, which is which is the gold standard. Yeah, absolutely. And Milo, so not only can he talk, but he can also, so he models these facial expressions and he can even walk? He walks, he talks, yes, he has a full range of emotion, full range of movement. So proximity, as an example, this is why he walks. Mm-hmm. So we've all interacted with individuals that are either too close into our personal space in a conversation or they're too far away. Mm-hmm. And they try to engage a conversation from across the room. So Milo teaches about uh, turn, look, check your space. So turn to the person that you want to talk with, mm-hmm. check your space. Am I too close? Or am I too far away? And Milo, because he walks, he actually models that. He will, in that lesson, he actually will get too close to the individual, and then he'll back way up and go, I'm too far away. This is about right. Okay. Um, and so the beautiful thing about how this program was designed is that Milo, as exciting and, and lots of students, irrespective of, of where they are with um their neurology are just absolutely curious about the technology. Yeah. But it's really the it's really the structured practice in the naturalistic practice that we do when a student is not, after he's been instructed with Milo. So we call it we kind of call that the off Milo time. And so off Milo, they're engaged in a structured activity that's practicing that and generally that is with human to human. Uh, interaction. So mm-hmm. those are the pieces that all come together to create these incredible breakthrough moments of which we see uh, in general, um, we'll see over 50% of the individuals working with Milo in the first one to four months will have a life-changing experience. And generally, that's in the area of self-regulation, executive functioning. They begin to understand when they're starting to get frustrated or when they're starting to get scared or worried or anxious. And then Milo has a way and through of how we've designed this is that Milo actually teaches them a skill to use when they are starting to feel that way. So it's awesome. under what is the feeling, understanding the feeling, and then how do I respond appropriately to that feeling? So wow. it's it is pretty it's pretty fun to see and Uh, Like I said, the first one to four months, we'll see some pretty, pretty powerful uh, breakthroughs. And the research base, which for your listeners can all go on to Robokind.com, and they can find any of the the numbers that I'm talking about with South Carolina or even that uh, original study by Dr. Rollins, or you can see some updated um, studies that have been done by the Kennedy Krieger Institute and at Johns Hopkins. You can see all of that. We post all of our research online. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I, I've i been going down a rabbit hole into all of the information, and it really is. There's not a single part of information that's just not flat-out fascinating. I think it's a, a, an important thing that you mentioned that this is used with traditional intervention methods as well. So one of, I think, your all's goals is to include this with therapists and educators and paraprofessionals and um, and to really just enhance all of the results. Can you share a little bit about how you guys are integrating into the educational settings? 
Absolutely, and I appreciate the question. So uh, in my previous life, I, I, I did a lot of work with occupational therapists, speech-language pathologists, uh, physical therapists, uh, and I, I always query, how much of, how much of an, uh, I'll just use 30 minutes, how much of your 30-minute time for speech is really delivering therapy versus you're doing redirecting, correcting, uh, prompting, uh, mm-hmm. transitioning, if you will, to get ready for the lesson. And I found, and this is this is Greg's number, this is not anything that I have empirically, but generally most people will affirm this. In a 30-minute session, you may get anywhere between 13 to 17 minutes of actual therapy. Mm. And so one of the tools, uh, in, I mean, one of the um, outcomes of using Milo in the practice is he gets a student ready for speech. He's not a speech pathologist, but he gets them ready by working through, if you will, some of that calm down, self-regulation, executive functioning pieces, as well as can practice some skills away from the the SLP. Um, So when that student comes back, they've already been practicing it. And they've been doing that in a way that I could be utilizing a paraprofessional or I could be using a teacher assistant, uh, and in some cases, my regular special ed teacher. So... um, Helping, helping understanding that he actually leverages time more efficiently and more effectively because time on task and opportunity to learn increases because Milo gets them ready. So Milo is used right now in 37 states, uh, four provinces in Canada, and every English-speaking country. Because what, what have we learned about autism? It's not bound by geography. It's not bound by ethnicity. It's right. not bound by any of those things. It is It is. It is prevalent everywhere yes so we have a keen interest so what we do is we do as i described we help therapists um, understand how they can utilize milo my favorite group of folks to work with are bcbas and rbts within the whole aba environment and the Mm -hmm. reason why is that milo does a great job of manualized practice he does a great job of prompting the data collection is all there and he he actually leverages several aba principles that can accelerate that work Um, and to be able to as i mentioned earlier is to go deeper in my therapy strategy um, with a student so we see this being very complementary and which is how we present it but probably the most important piece that we see in the education world is they don't necessarily have the capacity in terms from a human resource standpoint, people, um, mm-hmm. to be able to um, deliver the type of instruction they would like to do on a one-on-one situation. Milo bridges that. Milo is able to do that. He's never alone. He doesn't replace uh, educators. He comes alongside. Um, but it's the comprehensive curriculum. It's the fact that Milo is a comprehensive social curriculum. He's focused on self-regulation, social-emotional understanding, and conversational dynamics. So in a any given student's IEP that has goals specifically in any of those four areas, Milo becomes a tool, a strategy that can assist. And because the data collection is very objective, um, you as a parent of a student with an IEP can go into an IEP meeting and and not only your observations of growth and improvement, but the school or school district now can provide very clean and clear objective data, not subjective, but objective data of growth and improvement and of mastery. When I read that part, documents and record sessions for inclusion in IEPs, I was so excited about that. That's huge. Every lesson 
comes with a sample IEP goal. So one of the things that was very important, we saw this very early, is that um, with educators, I mean, they're spinning platters where many other occupations might just be spinning plates. They're spinning platters. They've got a lot of things that they're juggling. And in any given classroom, if they don't have dedicated um, instructional uh, programming for ASD, what we find is that um, they're in their group with other students with other disabilities. In fact, your listeners are probably fully aware of, of uh, Andrew F. versus Douglas, which was a Supreme Court ruling mm-hmm. a year and a half ago, where the, the Supreme Court ruled Andrew uh, being a child with autism, and the school district did not have objective and discernible evidence to demonstrate growth. But moreover, Andrew was starting to emulate and mocking, if you will, mimicking behaviors of other students that weren't a manifestation of his handicapping condition. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, boom, here comes the Supreme Court that goes all the way up, and they rule unanimously in favor of Andrew, uh, which was that schools need to find and show evidence of growth and improvement. They must write meaningful IEP goals. Well, we never recommend Milo being written into an IEP, but the strategies and the tool of Milo can accomplish those. And that's exactly what we find. In fact, um, our clients report to us 89% goal attainment and progress into our progress towards meeting IEP goals as a result of Milo. That's incredible. So what we get to see is you get to go into the IEP meeting and say, oh, okay, my son now is ready to go to that next level because we've built those foundational schools. He's demonstrated that. He's generalized that. He's repeated that mastery over and over again. He's ready to move forward. Yes. And that that's a huge delight for me. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And I love that you have that personal experience in the school setting to be able to roll that over, that information over, and just know how critical it is for that. But are you guys mainly working with public schools, private schools, therapists? What's the demographic of of who you guys are primarily working with now? It's all of the above. We private, public, charter, Mm -hmm. parochial, uh, and then we and then we when we move into uh, therapy, we we exist in therapy centers, we exist in hospitals. Um, we have actually private practitioners that deliver services that um, travel with Milo as they're doing home services. Okay. So as, as you know, there's probably some of your listeners have students or have children that are no longer attending school, but they're more homebound services. Mm-hmm. Milo fits very nicely into that because, again, Milo uh, is going to be very consistent. We have parents that actually have acquired Milo that use either with a private therapist or with a, a third party. Um, provider. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of what we work with, whichever situation works best for that student, we will come alongside and try to try to make it work. Um, And what we found with parents that have actually purchased Milo and have used Milo with their own child is it at some point when 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 the student begins to progress is they actually will donate the program to their local school. Um, sometimes their, their, their local, um, kind of faith community may use it. Mm -hmm. Um, they'll start to move it in that direction. And so they can start to see and and feel very, very good about impacting other lives as well, because Milo can work with as many students 
as many individuals that you can schedule. So he's not limited. It's not like a assistive technology device that is only can only be used with one student. Milo can work with as many as can be scheduled. We typically find that to be about 15 to 20 students a week. Okay. Uh, but, Milo, but Milo can also work in small group and whole group. Um, our target and recommended usage is that Milo would be work, would work with a student no less than 75 minutes and no more than 90 minutes per week, designed around kind of three 25 to 30-minute sessions three mm-hmm. times a week. And so that's where I get that number of that 15 to no more than 20 students. Uh, it all depends on schedules. Uh, but that's what we ge- generally find that in the public school setting, that's generally the schedule. Certainly we have some that using more, we have some that use them slightly less, but we, the, we know the optimum time is between that 75 and 90 minutes, three times a week. Uh, I mean, sorry, overspread out through three times. Yeah, that's three, incredible. Three Thanks for mentioning that too, because that was going to be one of my questions. Like, is Milo just you know, one student per Milo or how many people can use that and what's the recommended time, you know, too. So thanks for mentioning that. I definitely want everyone to to check out RoboKind for sure. Um, there's also a program that you guys have that we won't go in today, and that's Robots for STEM, which which is pretty incredible in and of itself as well. You can find out more information on that. And Greg, I just am so, so pleased to speak with you, and you're a phenomenal speaker, and you have such a depth of knowledge, so thank you for taking time out of what I know is just a crazy, crazy busy schedule for you to talk to our community. Well, well, thank you again. You're very, very kind. I, my, my last, last thing, if I may, just sure. what I'd like to say is I really want to thank each of your listeners, especially as parents of children with autism. Um, I know it feels isolated. I know it feels like you're the only one going through this, but there is a significantly growing community and a significantly growing level of support. Um, to assist with not only just not understanding, but literally coming alongside and saying, okay, how can we help? How can we assist? Um, You're not in this alone because, you know, families are extremely important and and I know that, but I just want to thank parents and grandparents and siblings as well as uh, aunts and uncles, extended family that are all touched by autism because it is unique. Um, but it doesn't mean that dreams can't be fulfilled. It doesn't mean that, that a fulfilled and very, very productive and positive life can't be lived. So um, hang in there and um, you just know that you're not alone. Well, I know that you've definitely promoted some tears <laughs> to listeners for sure. Thank you so much for saying that and, uh, and for having the heart to give back as well. Um, So thank you, Greg, and to all of those at RoboKind and Robots for Autism. We love what you're doing. Keep up the great work, and we're cheering you on. All students, regardless of their background or ability, should be given the opportunity to realize their full potential. The future is interactive education, and thanks to our friends at RoboKind, we are well on our way to engaging, enhancing, and enriching students with diverse and inclusive education. Thanks so much for being a part of my autism tribe. Keep up the great work and I'll see you next week.